Welcome to the Experiencer Group Roundtable, where we have a special episode today. Prize-winning reporter and former New York Times Bureau Chief, Ralph Blumenthal, published a story two days ago in The Debrief, originally slated for The New York Times, called The Experience, The Cultural Rise of Alien Abductions and Those Who Encountered Them. And today, we have all of the experiencers that Ralph spoke with for that article. Nadine Lalich, Robin Lassiter, Karen Austin, Stuart Davis, and myself, Jay King. This is the first time some of us have met. The same time we've all been in the same Zoom room. This has just been like, like a crazy odyssey, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And for me, myself, it's the first time that I've spoken publicly, like with my name attached. The same is true for Robin. Stuart uh, has has kind of come out of the experiencer closet. Stuart, how, like, it was a George Knapp show? Was that the first time that you really talked about it? Yeah, it was coast to coast. And I think it's almost three years at this point, about three mm -hmm. years. And it took me about eight. It was an eight year lead up to doing that, uh, which I think it will be interesting to hear from everyone what our unique perquisite uh, necessary process was to get to that place, I think is a very uh, interesting aspect of experience or life. But yeah, it's been about three years for me. And Karin, you've been a public figure related to anomalous experience and non-human entities for quite a while now. Yeah, I was, I was with John along with a number of other experiencers back in the day. He was uh, you know, working intensively on the public education you know, piece of this. And I am very accustomed to being you know, in you know, front and center in the dialogue. And I, I definitely know what's um, compelling about it. And I also know um, the liabilities of it and the toll that it, it can take. And I spent about um, immediately following John's death, I kind of went back in my own closet and spent about last 17 years, 18 years before this really, you know, um, kind of just tucking in and spending time integrating um, and internalizing what had happened and finding its relationship to sort of my core identity and what it meant for me in the world. And there was some real serious, you know, internal conflicts with it for a while. And I mostly had to just get on with my life. And I did led a very mainstream life when I was, you know, in Chicago after John's death and had my own business and as an interior designer and project manager in the construction industry and um, thought I was probably going to be doing that for the rest of my life until COVID hit and then knocked me off that track and onto this one. <laughs> That's the short version of it, but it, it, I'm aware now that this is what the rest of my life is going to be dedicated to and, and that that period of time that I spent, you know, sort of back in my own closet and internalizing all of this was really about building a real world skill set that I can now apply um, to this, this phenomenon and to the experiencer. Um, how do we say it sort of mission to become credible and, you know, in this larger cultural dialogue and to find a, a seat at the table for, for us, you know, along with the scientists and academicians and everybody else who's involved in the conversation right now. And Nadine, um, you have, uh, I believe, two books uh, related to your, uh, your experience and your history. Similarly, what, what's this process been like for you in terms of 
acknowledging uh, your experience to the public? Well, uh, at this point, I have a number of years under my belt because I first came out of the closet over my contact experiences in 04, 2004. I don't know that I was really prepared at the time for what kind of response was going to happen. Um, I could no longer contain my truth, my reality. It had to be explored at that point. Um, I have worked in the legal field most of my career. So I was particularly apprehensive about sharing this kind of phenomenon and how it might impact my work, people I worked with. So that had held me back for a while. But 2004, I stepped out and it was one of those moments, a turning point where I had no alternative but to dive into exploring this experience. You go through many years of denial. I did many years of denial in and out of denial because you don't have the tools or the resources that we might in other areas to acclimate into our life. So um, I did not know how to live my life and live with this secret. So finally, when we, I, in 2004, I couldn't bear it anymore. Went to a MUFON meeting, met Barbara Lamb, and fairly quickly we dove into a book. So I was thrown out into the public eye pretty fast and not really fully prepared for what was going to happen. The um, consequences of that early on was we're seeing what happened here with Ralph's article. I was very excited when it, we were looking at the times and it was, for me, it was a major breakthrough after seeing so many years of disappointment and so much judgment, so much harassment, so many different things have happened over the years. When you stand up and begin to talk about this in a larger way, um, you have a lot of rotten tomatoes thrown at you. You have to find a way to keep your balance and keep your truth no matter what. So initially I did not, I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I was working with Barbara Lamb and we did a book together and I was recording all of my experiences in journals for years. And I made a point of doing all of my work first. And then she and I went and decided to do a book together. And so we researched a hundred of her cases. And in doing so, I was, you know, really, in a state of shock because I'd never shared with anyone before. And now I'm reading these reports of identical experiences of someone happening, uh, experiencing something 20 years before on the other side of the world, things that I'd never shared before. So it was a very difficult awakening with many sleepless nights of pacing. It became more and more and more real. And uh, the super difficult thing was that very quickly, we did some television interviews and some, a couple of television shows, and they were handled very, very poorly. National Geographic did something very early on, and this would have been probably 2000, and I think the first book came out in 2008. And almost immediately, we did a number of, a number of radio shows and some television. And it was very difficult for me because I hadn't caught up to it yet. 
I didn't know how to talk to people about it yet. And it was, it was a struggle. And yet I was in the public eye, for example, the National Geographic, um, I don't know how they are now, but back then they were notorious about uh, the way they presented this subject matter. And so what had happened, for example, and one of the first things that we did, and again, I'm not emotionally caught up with this yet, and I don't know how to present myself fully, but they did a show where they, uh, what they did is they cut and chopped it up. And for example, my interview, they chopped it up into pieces and they moved around sound bites. It was, it was just so shocking for me when I see this come on the television. And they did, for example, this close-up of my face at the end, and they put a different sound bite in there and blew it up. And they had a close-up of me at the end of the show and it said, all I know is they're out there like that. And it was a close-up of my face. I was absolutely devastated by it because the way it was presented, and that was my introduction to this, realizing, wait a minute, the way the media handles this, we've got a number of factors going on. First of all, the media, it's not gonna serve them. A lot of them, they're looking for sensationalism. They wanna blow it out. They want the show. They, and, and several times some things happened over the years when a few more of these production companies came out and it was outrageous. They made a mockery of it. They made a mockery of the people. And as we all know, as experiencers, this is absolute dead serious stuff. This is about the evolution of humanity, period. And that evolution of consciousness and recognizing that we're not alone. And we are on the forefront of this thing. So it was very, very challenging. From, and, and working with Barbara initially, she had a very different take on it. Um, I did not have the take that this was all nice, nice, sweet. You know, as you know, when you're initially facing contact and abduction, uh, it can be terrifying. These things are not done with our, um, you know, we're not being asked, do we want to have this done? The challenge is absolutely amazing when you stand out in the public eye. Now, several of you said, said you, this is your first time. And it's a better time now, uh, certainly, than it would have been a decade or two ago. To walk carefully now, when I do interviews, when I share, learning how and when and how much to share in the public eye. Because although we have some wild stories, Exposing myself to this, what I consider a reality now, however that may manifest, exposing myself or other people to it has to be done gently, a step at a time, a step at a time. You don't put this in somebody's face because in general, I find that although the public is accepting this more and more and more are coming to the forefront, if we talk about it carefully and slowly introduce people to our experiences, we face less trauma and less doors shutting in our face. What happened with the times, honestly, I was excited about it, but I never counted on it uh, because I had enough experience in seeing how people respond. Uh, I could go and do a talk uh, and find there could be 50,000 people that would say, great talk, wonderful. And then you're gonna see these others come out. 
I've actually had several experiences of people stalking me on the internet because of my sharing this phenomenon. So as far as standing in front of the media or sharing with others and particularly close family members, they can be sometimes the most judgmental because if they know you and who you are and they know you're a grounded person and now you're talking about this, you scare them if they're not ready to accept it. So the door can slam in your face and again, you can feel isolated and rejected and judged. So it's a very careful path I think every experiencer needs to create for themselves where they gently and slowly expose themselves to the phenomenon, share it carefully and slowly, um, and be prepared. Like what happened here uh, was a tough one, but I never put my heart fully into this because it, for me, I was telling several of my friends, the times, I don't know. It'll be real when it's real. I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah, I, I definitely made the mistake of riding the emotional roller coaster. Robin, it's the first time that you've you've talked about this. How does this feel? You know, this, it, now that you've had fifty whole hours <laughs> to process <laughs> this article, um, have you have have people reached out to you? Do you feel like you've gotten support from? from family or friends? How's, how's it been for you so far? Just what's happening right now. Um, hearing Karin speak, hearing Nadine speak is this little microcosm of what it's been like for me in less than a year when I really started engaging with this, which is every time I hear another experiencer speak, I'm, it helps me. You know, and even in just this moment, it's I'm I have it's so nice to have other people who've been through this um, that I can look to. And the same, you know, for Jay and Stuart, which is pretty much how I gained the courage to uh, speak about this publicly. Um, I heard Stuart's podcast and it just rung me like a bell. It was, I have had these lifelong experiences, but I've never, um, you know, I had the book communion sitting on my mantle and couldn't even look at it. You know, if I cracked it, my body just went into fear. Um, I had never heard other stories. I had never, and I, I very much compartmentalized this stuff in my life. I was having this really intense internal um, sometimes traumatic, sometimes incredibly magical experiences. And then there was the rest of my life. And so for me, just beginning to integrate all of this has been, man, a whirlwind and a roller coaster. And having the New York Times, the possibility of the New York Times article happen so quickly in, you know, from me sort of speaking about this um at all when I when I first spoke to Stuart I literally like it wouldn't come through my throat it took such a long time for me to even be able to speak about it and I had to write about it a lot in order to kind of put my story together um and so the New York Times you know that possibility I had to process a lot in a really short amount of time you know what is my truth how important is it to me that I'm part of this conversation? 
for me, the experience my entire life has been accompanied by this incredibly intense sense of mission. So I uh, resisted it as hard as I could for a really, really long time. Um, but that intensity and that pressure never left. And so for me, the completely uh, impossible and unimaginable idea that I am somehow involved with something that would become public around this thing that I'm only now integrating just became part of the undeniable um, sort of culmination throughout my life of this mission-oriented um, experiences. So for me, it was just fear. I can put it that way. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just having to face fear over and over again. Who am I? Why do I want to do this? Is it worth it? Um, no one in my life, even my immediate family, they had some inkling, but I had never really even to myself sat down and, and written it all out, spoke, you know, I, I wasn't able to speak about it at all. So um, what ended up being very helpful for me was that I, I wrote it, I basically wrote, you know, wrote about it and was able then to give the, you know, decent first draft to my family and say, this is what my life has been like. And then when they read that, they knew me in a way that they had never known me before. So by the time the article um, was originally going to come out, I had sort of come out to the people that were important to me and they, they could understand very clearly who I was and what I was still wrestling with and how I hadn't pinned anything down with this, but I was just able to speak about my experience. And so in, you know, since the article has finally come out, the most of, I'll say, not fully, but most of the uh, emotional charge and fear around it was dissipated because the people that I needed to tell, I had told. Um, and I was also concerned about my uh, work life and how and how this story would affect that. I had I, I just had gone through the process of telling everybody that I needed to tell, and so now that the article has come out, I feel very oddly detached from it. Um, I'm very very happy that I did it. I'm happy that I went through the process of finding the courage to to be involved with it. Um, finally accepting the reality of what my life has been and externalizing it for myself, my family, and now in a more public way has been uh, the fastest period of personal evolution in my life. And so it's been very profound and important for me. I'm glad that the article is out. I have no idea what will come of it. I have had, um, I've had one person reach out to me. I'm not very, I have, I don't have any social media. I'm not very public at the moment. And so I think it's a little difficult to figure out how to get in touch with me, but um, I have had one positive, you know, person reach out to me and want to connect. And other than that, I, I also kind of synchronistically took the month off from, uh, you know, from, social media and the internet and all of that. And so I feel very detached from it in kind of a great way. And what I'm really happy about over and over in this experience is 
my connection to UJ and to Stuart and to the experiencer group, um, that, that container that has helped me move through this process with so much support and love. And I don't think I could have done it without it. And every time I come to a new threshold and move into a new space with this, that's what I need. And that is what I keep coming back to. It's like, well, uh, it's sometimes terrifying, sometimes amazing, but I'm not alone in it. And I was alone in it my entire life until, I don't know, November of last year or something. So that's where I am with it. And like I said, Jay, you too, I know it's your first public <laughs> um, uh, telling of all of this, but I listened to your podcast that was done anonymously. And I can remember where I was driving, what I was feeling, because every time I hear an experience, it cracks something open in me and it allows me to integrate more. Um, so like in the last you know, 20, 30 minutes, and in the last year, every single person in this group has helped me tremendously. So thank you all for that. A hundred percent agree with, with, with that statement at the end. Stuart has, has been incredibly inspiring in the work that he, he does. Karin, I, like, I, I think I first uh, heard um, you speak in, in the documentary Touched. And I was pretty floored with that, with, with that documentary and like how confident and straightforward you could be in that was like, was incredibly inspiring, you know, Nadine, like I, I became aware of you through, through Stuart's, through Stuart's podcast, Aliens and Artists. And I listened to your episodes on repeat for like a whole week for, for me, the, this process has been really interesting, you know, during the pandemic, um, me and uh, Kristen Blackburn, uh, the third co-founder of the Experiencer Group, um, along with Stuart and I, um, we started doing these um, these Zoom uh, support groups. Right? I had no idea, like at at the time. All I knew is that I needed to do that. You know what I mean? At that time, it was it, like it it was something that I could do that would be productive, that could help me in my own process with this. And like, I deeply wanted to be helpful. Take your time, don't rush. It's okay if you're emotional, let it up. Don't rush. Stuart came to like, like our very first session for these groups. And so, and so this like, the the kind of energy and that 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 kind of came about in those rooms i mean this emotion we've all been through i've had moments of what felt almost like hysteria early on as i began to reveal because the struggle, there's such a back and forth struggle here is that you want your truth. You want to live your truth. You want to speak your truth. But the truth requires a complete realignment with the universe as we understand it. This is a major, major, complete consciousness realignment that takes place. And your emotions are kind of follow along behind that. 
And it's not, it, it's a few steps forward, a few back. Um, it, it's, it's such a dramatic process. But, you know, I think what's really, really important now, because I've been doing this, I've been facing my own reality and sharing in the world for some time now. And I think the, the, the most marvelous thing is, is that there is something that we can look at to pull us through this. And the support system and the apologize. I, I've been so pulled into other writing projects. I haven't been able to participate yet in, in your new group, which I think is fabulous, incredibly wonderful. And just your emotional response now is a perfect example of how we all need to support one another in this new awakening. Um, but sometimes you need something to keep your focus, to move you through these challenges, the ups and downs of what happens especially when you're new stepping into this and the thing that I can say on the other side is that I wouldn't change a thing I went through a tremendous amount of like what you're experiencing now exposure putting yourself out there and as you do this to seek your own truth there is repercussion in that each step of the way you have to accept a greater reality and some of it's scary and painful. And what does this mean? And it's a constant rearranging of your conscious view of things. But at the end of it, as the years have passed for me, I can assure you that the benefits so, so far outweigh the stress and the suffering that we go through. Thank you. Those are wise words. Can we go back to you? I, yeah, I want to thank you. Those were very wise words, um, Nadine. And I'm, you were right in the in the middle of of a wash of emotion um, as you were catching your breath there. And I wonder if there's. I don't. I know sometimes it can be hard to kind of go back to that place, but it felt in listening to you like you were. Like there was something of a watershed moment here and and I was attuning to what you were saying and I I don't know if you can go back to that thought at all because it felt a little incomplete. So are you able sure. to reconnect to where you were a minute ago? Sure, I think so. Um, yeah, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate your thoughts, Nadine. And I like that the support is great. This is amazing. Thank you. Going back and it's there's such a sur it's just such a surreal moment speaking with you all having this article come out as I'm sure it was for all of us at 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 certain points you know this was like the biggest scariest thing and like the idea not necessarily the experiences themselves which could be very traumatic and could be very scary and you know especially when I was younger people finding out about, about them people judging me because of them, people thinking that, you know, I'm mentally unwell because of them, you know, things like that, like people abandoning me, just the period of going from, from the beginning of the pandemic to now, in terms of quietly, you know, doing these groups and, and kind of starting to process things, you know, a year and a half later, being in this position right here, where we are and like feeling this energy building. And what is that momentum? Is it personal like growth momentum or is it like the cultural moment? You know what I mean? And the, and like, and sometimes like right now it feels like it's running on parallel tracks, at least like the way that I feel today. Parallel tracks. Can you say more to the, that? The amount of like processing of, of 
of trauma and being able to speak with other experiencers, like in the experiencer group and the, and these situations to kind of like work on community building within that kind of framework. So taking that energy and then it being reflected, like for example, in this article and seeing people having conversations about it. And, and not only that, but like the people online right now are appreciating the, like uh, not just, the article itself but like the underdog nature of what like what we went through with this you know what i mean like that 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 has become like part of the headline of the story itself was that the times rejected it right and or that a couple editors there did right even that i kind of resonate with right like who like who here hasn't felt like an underdog at some point with this whole situation right but not i mean not just the story but just like as an experiencer like a black sheep you know like um like not wanting to be found out in the land of consensus reality or whatever right i just want i want to you know add to nadine and her weight normalize this and i would i have i'm inclined to connect with you as well like in terms of like what we have to go through and what you went through in sort of digging down and finding the courage to come forward with the full awareness of how this gets pathologized right out in the mainstream world and and that that decision there's like a a little it's almost like a switch it's or a lever something has to click inside of you and it's it's a conscious decision that one goes through to say all right i'm going to I'm going to own this. I'm going to drop into this authenticity. This is the whole of who I am. I recognize that in doing this, this is going to, you know, put me out there and subject me to ridicule from the mainstream as they listen to it. And it is fundamentally going to change how certain people will think of you, you know, whether you know them or not, they might be strangers or close friends. And that, that moment of, of making that decision to take that on is not a small moment. There's a lot of risk in it. There's a lot of risk in it. It's terrifying. Even for myself who went sort of, as John would have, John liked to say, you know, there was a lot of naivete at the beginning. We did not know what we were going to run into. We just knew that we had a truth that was completely relevant to, as Nadine, as you put it, the evolution of humankind. This is the most, essential thing that we need to be talking about. We're on the wave of something here. And 20 something years ago, we didn't have a sense of how all of this information was going to land with the thud against the dominant Newtonian Cartesian worldview, right? We get, we can certainly have receptive people in the audience. As you talk about, there's a lot of people who say, good on you, or that's fascinating, or I'm right there with you. But the overall, the largest percentage of, of, of our culture, you know, when they are faced with really having to metabolize this and contemplate whether or not it could be actually happening the way we're describing it, that's overwhelming to people and it shuts them down and they immediately come back with all the counter explanations of what this might be for us, whether it's some kind of unidentified psychopathology or sleep paralysis or dreams or fantasies, attention seeking fame hornists, you know, all, all of that stuff. So. I just want to acknowledge that even for someone like me who went through that experience once already, it was still equally as, as sort of traumatic. There was a, a number of months as I left Chicago and came here after COVID 
that I went through exactly the same thing you just talked about and, and that you're talking about too, Robin, you know, where all over again, it's like I had been in the closet and been safe and had been nice and comfy in that safe world. Nobody knew that this part of my life is a very real and important and compelling part of my life. I went totally invisible. And to come back to the place of, I'm going to walk away from that anonymity and for the sake of telling this truth, because it's the most essential truth that we need to be um, communicating to our culture and to humankind. Again, even 20 something years into it, it's still scary as hell, you know, and I could have said another word with it. It's just scary. So it's normal. I'm trying to normalize what you're feeling. You'll, you know, you'll go through phases of like, it's like waves of it, moments where it feels overwhelming. And then you catch your breath, you internalize it, integrate around it, and then find your way through again. So hopefully as we are joining together as a community now, thanks to what you guys, um, Stuart and Jay, got inspired to do. And the other woman, I'm sorry, I forgot her name. I know she's a part of this as well. Who's your other co-creator? Kirsten Blackburn. Kirsten. Yes. So Kirsten, the fact that you guys were tuned in and got inspired and decided to organize a community around this, I think is perfectly timed. And, and I think the idea that we can all be connected together and, and amplify, as you were saying way earlier on in the conversation, amplify our voice understands by being connected to each other, what our voice is, what we have to say, how we want to bring it forward. And instead of being isolated and feel the support of the community as we do that, trying to know in advance whether you're going to be able to absorb the shockwaves and what those consequences are in your life is, is very challenging. And it's a, it's a huge act of courage to be able to come out and just go, fuck it. <laughs> I'm gonna do this because something inside of you, when you say the word mission, it's like there's a mission. You know, you know, and that's not to be, it's not to be confused with missionary zeal. It's just, there's this thing inside of you that says, I have to, I have to do this. This is of critical importance. And that if we don't do it, then it feels like there's some kind of split or something's off. And it's until we come into alignment with, with that impulse, like to follow through on whatever this is. Um, I think certainly I was living <laughs> in the uncomfortable skew of a skewness of that in my own life. And even though this is, has its own sort of initial fear and anxiety, I'm now sort of settled into it and go, all right, bring it on. You know, what, what comes what is what comes and, and I feel prepared for it. But again, you know, community is everything I think in, in, in feeling it's a really different quality of strength um, that we can tap into this time through social media connections and we're not isolated from each other the way that we were 20 something years ago. This just wasn't possible before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that in part, if I seem to be hanging in the periphery, it's indicative of my preferring to accord respect and a forum to people that I consider to be much more, I don't know what the proper word is, seasoned, um, long, lifelong immersion in the phenomenon. And so I do feel in some ways to be newly minted in this respect because in a strange, I mean, they're all strange. Just the way that it shook out for me is that Karna and I know each other going back, I guess it's like 20 some years. It's 25, it's 25 years, 25 years. So 
for me, the funny twist that it took was knowing Karin and knowing John and John or Karin and I meeting through John and then uh, John being a very important person in my life. I think that could be said of like almost everybody who had the pleasure of knowing him. And there was a strange quality about it for me in that being accepted into those relationships and connections, I was introduced to many, many experiencers. And I think that part of what feels so powerful for me emotionally and part of what I feel such a passionate sense of mission around is that having known as many experiencers as I have been privileged to know and to have people share their sacred story because these are really, really sacred stories. The way that a human being is brought into this enigma and the way that it changes us, the nature of these relationships with these non-human intelligences and the larger mystery is perhaps the most primordial sacred story that can be told. And so the more experiencers that I had the privilege of knowing very early on, like within mid nineties, it was just plainly abundantly evident to me that these people were experiencing what they were sharing and that the implications were incomprehensible. I just couldn't even get my head around it for the longest time. And in a sense, you don't really need to initially, but to just lead with that little bundling because it ends up having a funny confluence later on. So when I did finally become an experiencer, and I'll quote that because to be honest at this point, I don't know, or I don't even know how to begin to perceive clearly when my experiences began, what they were, how to codify them. We all know that the amorphous and odd way that these transgressive relationships move into dreams, they move into visionary experiences. For me, they have figured very importantly in my fever states, also in waking states, shared experiences. So that's just to say that they've landed their feet in all of these ontological territories of my life. And when I pause in trying to define them, it's not because I don't find them to be real, it's because I find our categories to be insufficient and confusing. And so the hesitation isn't about the reality status, it's about how to even begin to preferably poetically uh, relate what's transpired. So in my case, in 2010, <laughs> uh, in a very hilarious fashion on New Year's Eve at midnight, I had an eight foot tall mantis entity show up at the end of my bed and shoot my body full of a, a current. As a musician, I'm tempted to say like a symphony of something, a symphony of a signal of something was deposited into me. And hilariously, I think it's hilarious that it was midnight on New Year's Eve and that I had been meditating and I had been actively wanting and eliciting and requesting that I wanted to meet my guides. I wanted to be face to face with my guides. And I had, I thought a Buddhist monk was going to show up or I thought some discarnate esoteric monkish type figure. I didn't know, but that's more where my romantic notion of what a guide might've been. But what showed up was an eight foot mantis entity in a purple robe. And I've told that 
story in detail and we can link to it in the show notes so that we don't eat up important time for others. That story is there for anyone who wants to dive into it in depth. But coming out and around this article, which I would like to walk toward what the last year has been for us as a we and how I've situated inside of that, it took me eight years between the year 2010 and the year 2018, whenever it was, that I told that story out loud. And I'm an artist. I didn't, my income did not derive from some profession that I need to protect. I didn't have a face in the world to guard. I was already a, a minted circus freak as my calling and vocation. And so I didn't, no one expected me to be some bastion of what's real and what's not real. And no one really, frankly, would have cared. I, that's an unusual situation for an experiencer to find themselves in. Even so, I couldn't do it. And what I'd like to share about that part of my life between 2010 and 2018 is that I paced the fucking cage in the most outrageous way. I couldn't come to terms. Uh, and many things happened after that. It wasn't as though something happened in 2010 and then there was nothing in two until 2018. What happened is that that initiating event, which I have come to think of as a kind of initiation, I don't know if it was the first one, but subsequently it pollinated and flowered in all of these kinds of strange ways in my life with shared experiences. And the feedback loop of discomfort grew until it was made very clear to me that either I would speak and say out loud publicly what had happened to me or my life would become so uncomfortable that I wouldn't be able to bear it. And it did become pretty unbearable. And I made other people's lives unbearable with my unwillingness and resistance to just simply, literally just saying what had happened as I understood it. And with that, very powerfully, the sense of mission, the sense of mission going all the way back to, way back into the 90s, but even earlier. I mean, frankly, as soon as I read John Mack's book, Abduction, for a lot of people, it's Communion by Whitley Strieber. And for me, it was Abduction by John Mack. When I read that book, my subtle and causal head began to spin like a fucking top and it didn't stop and it hasn't stopped. And that was the seminal event in my life where I just, it's, I could never let it go and it never let me go. And then meeting John and meeting Karn and meeting all of these other people was that sense of mission taking root and realizing like, oh my God, our human condition is that we wildly misread our circumstances. We are in the midst of deep, intimate relationship with non-human entities and all of our reality partitions are way off. And it's not only inaccurate, it seems to be either best case scenario, a forfeiture of a big cosmic inheritance that we're not going to get to claim and we're just going to refuse. Or worst case, we could be positioning ourselves with an incredible liability, possibly a collective existential lethal liability. What do you do with that when you're like, it's, you know, I'm a 20 something singer songwriter. It's just in some ways a very hilarious combination because you feel beset with such a sense of mission and a total confusion around how to even begin to act upon that. So fast forward to 
well, not quite yet. What I'd like to use as a bookend is that, Karin, I'm sure that you can share reflections on this as well. One of the memories that really stands out for me is John, with John is when he had been to the REL school and had come back from that and was sharing what it was to be there and work with those kids. And, and at the time, even my head just thinking like, oh my God, this is it. These fucking beings landed in front of a schoolyard full of children in broad daylight. The head of psychiatry at Harvard, who's a child developmental specialist, the most credentialed imaginable person to go and be there right at the right time. Everything seems so perfectly placed. And I thought this will change the fucking world. That's it, I don't have to worry about this, I guess, because this is gonna be like, and I think we all know that that's exactly what happened. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> if we can't laugh about it. <laughs> so oh, man. fast forward to now and the fact not only Ariel School, but that John was on Oprah and that he was in the New York Times and just all of that. Fast forward to now and Ralph coming around. God bless you, Ralph. Mad props and respect. Nothing that I have to sh share today or going forward is at all to diminish Ralph's resolute, noble efforts and intentions and in wanting to do this work. But for me, there's this feeling, there was a part of our email thread exchange, which I think exemplifies this quite concisely. When Ralph was just sharing with us, like, this is a hard sell. The Times is not going to run it. And these other major outlets don't want to run it. And one of the big catches is they want to know what the explanation is. And my response in the email thread was like, how about the people are experiencing what they're reporting and have been for 30, 40, 50, like my head again, emotionally what I find most difficult is not even so much my experiences, although they have been, they've been really like, <laughs> my body at various stages has thrown, has gone on strike, I would say, has just flat out been like, well, you're, we're not cashing any more of these checks until you get, fill in the blank until you get this shit in order and begin to conduct yourself in a manner that comports with the gravity of this situation. You don't get to just mm -hmm. act as though that's not the case. The body just literally going on strike and be like, we're done. We're not, we're actually not going to walk. We're not going to move our arms and do the body things for you anymore unless you, so that's there and that's part of it. But in terms of Ralph in the article, and my feeling frustrated with that presentation that these outlets want an explanation and that implicit in this that is they want one of their explanations. They want the sleep paralysis. They want the some mode of collective new psychopathology. They want that neuropathic, biological, cultural intersection of explanation that will remove all of the stuff that the collective find on, finds unworkable. <clears throat> that's what, the, what I find most upsetting. That's what I find most troubling. Now, to, because within our, our group and within those that are in the article and one who is not, but who is also very close to us, I have had and have had the privilege of having 
just countless hours of conversation and one-on-one -on -one connection with these human beings. And I know them and I know them to be telling the truth. I know each of you to be not only some sort of problematic wild cards. My experience of experiencers is actually that not only are they incredibly intelligent, high functioning, brilliant human beings, they have found a way to remain high functioning in society while being saddled with a totally irreconcilable impossibility. That's what they're all doing. So the fury that I feel that not even so much that the Times didn't run it or that some other platform of a similar stature or scale didn't run it, it's that little byline, it's that subtext of like, we're not gonna let you until, it's the contingency, mm -hmm. right? It's the, it's the contingency that all of this hinges on, which is until we modify and distort and mutilate the truth, it will be inadmissible to the public, to the larger public life. And I think that one more layer down of why I find that such an affront, it's not just that these human beings are so beautiful and they're telling the truth and they're actually trying to offer this larger human inheritance for us. Try, like the cosmos is inviting us to our future selves. And the people in this article and the people in our community that are accepting that and growing into it are leading and lifting such an enormous sleeping torpor that's the rest of what's going on in the world. It's not even that that I find so upsetting. It's that one layer down even further, the affront is that I think this is a survival issue for us. I really think that if we don't make our way forward into this in a mature, mm -hmm. nuanced way that our end or certainly a very, very bad future could result from it, from our denial to our own future selves. So let me pause there and hand the talking stick back to those I feel honestly more qualified, you know, the, the OGs. That's what I feel at this moment in this conversation. And aside from that, I'm just grateful for each of you or all of you. Yeah, well said, Stuart. Thank you for sharing that. Scratched a lot of it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think that one of the most surprising and welcome things that happened as I realized that I wasn't crazy <laughs> and that other people had had experiences like this, um, because such a huge part of my personal experience, it, it is all couched in and surrounded by, uh, you know, the mission is about the planet. And the mis mission is about this evolving consciousness for me personally, that's what it's always been and how difficult it has been to, you know, like Stuart said, what do you do with that? What is, what is one single person, you know, you get this, all this weight on your shoulders, like, hey, pay attention and act now. There's all this urgency around it. And, uh, you know, that inside of coming to terms with, um, trusting myself enough to even acknowledge it and be able to put it into a narrative for myself, like inside of all of that, 
this, the core of it for me, aside, you know, right next to the, the incomprehensible nature of it, like that's right there as well. But right next to that is um, this urgency about our, you know, about humanity and about consciousness and the earth and the planet and what is happening. Um, and the depth of that for me personally, and trying to figure out how to how to speak about that, and then finding this entire community that was saying the same thing. No one is no no experiencer that I know is saying like I have it figured out. I have the answer. I know what this is. What my ex my uh, experience has been with experiencers is that they're all saying I can't explain this, but where it's leading me has to do with being able to have space enough to hold the reality that it's much bigger than we can imagine it's vitally important and it has to do with love it has to do with connection it has to do with um with who we are as humans and and where we're going and i was uh personally astonished by that because that was one of the most difficult things for me to to speak about personally, I didn't understand that, you know, the connection of all of those things. And so finding out that, that so many other experiencers have had the, you know, the same journey, like, how is it that being, you know, levitated out of a bedroom or, um, you know, having these experiences that can't be easily metabolized in my body how do you go from that to you know we have to save the world <laughs> like not that we individually can do that but you know we have to talk about what's happening and how we find connection and how we find how we remember the the beauty and the magnitude of humanity as creative beings it's just a bizarre, it's, you know, it's a bizarre journey, but that's where it led me. And then I opened the door and that's where it, it's leading so many others, which is heartening. You know, that's why I need everybody here and everybody in the experiencer group to help bolster that in me. And what I'm very grateful for about my journey is that I went through it all. And then I found, I didn't read it first and then go, oh, that's kind of like my experience. It's like I had all these experiences and then I found all these other people who did. And that gave me validity and integrity for myself to say, um, I, my, one of my big parts of my journey was just self-trust, you know, mm -hmm. was just acknowledging and being able to hold this in myself. And so the way it's, it's played out has been perfect for me in that way. Mm -hmm. um, so those are my reflections on it. I'd love to hear as well from Nadine and, and uh, Karen, what you have to say next. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. I think that, you know, we have this awakening by these experiences and you recognize that we are part of something even greater than we imagined. So we are part of this universal life force that manifests in all these different kinds of species third dimensional, interdimensional, multidimensional, right? And so we've been privy to that. Terrifying as it is, that's allowed us to begin to expand. Now, 
I, and I'm sure all of you do, you turn and you reflect on this planet and we look at what's going on. And so we're having these experiences of dramatic consciousness expansion, right? Because of what we've been introduced to. And then you turn and you look at this truly, truly barbaric planet. We look at so many states of consciousness that go on here and you see that so it's, there's just so much going on, different levels of awareness, different perceptives, perceptions. It's a, quite a chaotic environment of so many kinds of views, right? We feel a need to share this and it's important to awake those that are ready to be awakened. A lot of them may not ever be awakened. So I find myself as the years go by trying to understand why, if we are given this awareness, why are we here? And a lot of it was for a long time. Yes, I keep carrying the message, carry the message, right? And, and I've, I've been a person who carries my awareness and I share it out there, okay? And I feel a certain obligation to share when appropriate. But who's to say that as, as we are evolving, because we're always gonna be energy and spiritual beings first, um, who's to say how many of these are supposed to come along into that awareness? Who's to say, I mean, there's a bigger picture of what is humanity evolving into? I think really as time goes on, the most important aspect is our own self-realization first, always first and foremost. We share in this and help each other come to terms with it. Um, that's why the, the group that you have created is wonderful. Um, more will be revealed. I think more will be revealed in time. So I'm at this place of taking action. So several things have happened, you know, as a result of coming to the other side of this experiencer group that I've been on. So I have started um, something called an experiencer disclosure initiative with a few of these other people. Right now, there's a brief summary of it on the Johnny Mac um, website. And it has been my intention to get in touch with you guys, the experiencer group, to see how we can collaborate with each other and um, call a group of experiencers who are willing to be out there, who are willing to be experiencer ambassadors, so to speak, willing to be in the mix and to have a seat at the table and be a part of this dialogue. It's not okay that we are not invited to the table. And it's not okay that people keep telling us, this is not the right time or you're too weird. We don't know if you're lying or not, if there's something else going on. So you're gonna sit over there and we're gonna talk about you in the abstract or talk about UAPs in the abstract as if they were all drones and that there's no actual pilots to them. If our community doesn't take responsibility for putting our voice into the mix, we are not going to have a chance to shape this narrative. And we cannot not be a part of that at this point. I think now that the DOD has fessed up to and, and other pilots have fessed up to and, and um, uh, Congress members are fessing up to the fact that this is actually a real thing, we just don't know what it is yet. The genie's out of the bottle, the horse is out of the barn, you know, pick your metaphor, toothpaste is out of the tube, none of that shit's going back in. And because we're at this essential, really unique period of time that's very different than where we were 20 years ago, in that, um, science has now identified all of these other planets that are inhabitable. 
we've realized the scale of the universe, the, the, the mathematical, you know, pro not the probability, I'm thinking of a more emphatic word, the, ma the mathematical reality that we cannot be alone in this universe and that it's no longer um, professional or academic suicide for, you know, a scientist or an academic a academician to align themselves with that, that thesis that if we take that where science is now, we connect that to the physical evidence that we have, you know, in, that Leslie Kane and Ralph have been talking about. Um, and then we pull that in, we connect that to what experiencers bring to the table. We then can start getting, start shaping a full narrative. But in order for us to make sure we have a seat at that table, we have to organize around that. Nadine, <laughs> I know how exasperating it is to be like walking in the desert alone with this over the course of, of decades and wanting to tell your story and hoping that there's some kind of impact in doing it and it doesn't it doesn't land and you're just wondering if you're gonna leave the fucking planet, you know, with just, with the knowledge in you, but not knowing how it's it's going to be beneficial to humankind. So I pretty much have, have dumped out my toy box, but other than wanting to meet you guys and hear where you're coming from and connect with you as, you know, the 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 cohorts who have been involved on, on Ralph's ride here, it's really to connect with you and say, all right, so what are we actually going to do about this? Because it's time. And there's an, we're all old enough now. We're the grownups in the room. We're all smart enough. We've been carrying this, you know, this uh, torch for a while now. And, and again, it's, I think it's critical that we create a seat at the table for us because nobody else is going to do it if we don't. All right, tag. <laughs> I found that super inspiring. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes, and um, I see that I see that Nadine in the chat is saying that saying that she, uh, her internet issues are continuing. So uh, she she feels like she's got to get oh, out of here. Nadine, uh, is sorry. Anything you'd like to say in parting? If we could find a uniform language for speaking about this, it would be extremely helpful. One other final note is about Stuart's work with his art. Mm. There's other ways to share. Mm -hmm. And like your art with the mantis art that you did, it just blew me away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely blew me away. Because that's another way of presenting it to people in a, in a subconscious deep way where they look at this and some part of them is going to relate to what you've shown in a visual, a dramatic visual. So it's more than just us standing up there and talking about it. There's different ways to, to move this forward in consciousness. Totally, I, I think just really quickly before you go, I think I resonate with everything that you say. And I think this is why I spoke to say that this is where I'm at right now. Everybody, I think every experiencer needs to sort of feel into what, how they're called to you know, express this and hold this and carry it and share it in their lives. So, I'm only speaking in this moment of what's vibrating for, for me. You and I, are, You are taking a more aggressive political advocate role of this. Now we need that also. We'll yeah. all find our way. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Thank you all. Thank you, Nadine. Thank, Thank you, Nadine. Thank all you right. so much. All right, bye. Take care. To me, this seems like this is the beginning of a conversation rather than the end, end of one. So that we should schedule more more time to connect with with each other so i'm kind of curious since i did that big dump with you guys i'm kind of curious to hear how you 
how that landed with you? Oh, very, for me personally, very well from my perspective and as like a 42 year old person that's been sensitive to this stuff and like, you know, quietly looking into it for a really long time. Like I am super deeply frustrated researchers and authors. And so they'll talk about like, Oh, my experiencers as if like somebody has like a stable of horses or some shit like that. And like, it, it bugs the, it bugs the hell out of me. It bugs the hell out of me partially because it, it, it becomes a game of telephone. Somebody doesn't have to necessarily believe me, but like if they can just like be open-minded to their loved ones, yeah, you know what I mean? Things like that. There's a lot of stuff like that, that it doesn't get talked about because it's good because the conversation is happening by people that don't live this experience. Right. Right. Yeah. And the way I, I make the distinction that you're talking about, as I said, you know, I've come to this place where I don't need to be believed. It's not about someone giving handing over their belief to me that's that's not like that's not necessary if, if i had been someone who didn't have these experiences and was listening to somebody tell me about them i wouldn't have been a believer either that would have that would have slammed into my newtonian cartesian worldview at the time so i'm completely empathetic when people say i can't get there um, on the other hand being taken seriously not being believed but being taken seriously and especially by um, the organizations and individuals who are shaping this narrative right now and making one of national and global defense, right? So this becomes a, like who's got the technology, you know, and who's under threat, you know, around all of this. And if and if that swath of of small in control in power individuals is left to shape this narrative without everything that we can bring into it then we have an entirely different outcome than what happens if we are participating in it. So I think you're, you're right that it, it's really relevant at the personal level. Like how can people just amongst our, fa our family members and friends, how can we be more open-minded? Like you don't have to be a card carrying, you know, magician or wizard to just listen to somebody and be curious. It's okay to be curious and to not know. And that's the other thing Nadine was sort of hinting at it and you're talking about it. All of us are smart enough here in our dialogues with people about this to be like, look, it's a, we don't know what we don't know. Now, unlike what Nadine said, I will to my grave under threat of losing my life claim with 100% certainty that fucking you know, alien bug that was on my, best and on my bed and on my chest with a hand on either side of my pillow. I'm sorry, that happened. And that's where courage comes in. I have to be able to own that with all, <laughs> every cell in my body, but all the other weird shit that goes on that I can't say with certainty, I won't, you know, our language has to reflect that as well. So again, for me, this is about organization, like coming into a kind of organization, finding common language, finding a common, um, at least one pathway where the, the people that who are in our community who feel compelled to be activists about this have an opportunity, a pathway to do that. So that's where I'm coming from. Like the truth of my, of my experience in this very moment is that I'm absorbing a lot of information about um, uh, a journey and a community of people and a system of you know, kind of personal disclosure of experiences through these different channels that I have don't have a long history with. Um, I so I'm I'm 
you know, I'm listening to all of that and then triangulating it with my own experience and trying to see where it lands with me and what it means for me personally. And I, I think I don't know yet. I don't think I have any big, um, these are new pieces for me that I can't, that I haven't been able to fully put together, but what I, what is most present for me, you know, Carney talked about being able to take action and I am somewhere on that spectrum. You know, I'm not, um, I, I personally have experience with cultural pieces of information that come from personal experience and then end up in sort of the advocacy and becoming organizations and shaping that narrative. And I, can see that as like an evolution of, you know, of what happens. For me personally, I'm still over on this other end of that spectrum. I'm still like metabolizing, metabolizing my experiences. I'm still for what, what is for me very present and real is where I'm taking action is that I'm living it now. You know, it's like, I'm living it. I'm living my truth. I'm not afraid of it. I have all this space for it. I don't need to like pin any of it down in the moment. Um, it's very profound and important to me. It's a major part of my life. I'm not afraid to talk about it but I'm not at that end of the spectrum. I appreciate it. I understand that it needs to happen. I'm, you know, um, but for me personally, I'm just like, I'm just absorbing all of this and it will take time to move through my system. So that's where I am. And I'd love to hear from Stuart as always. Yeah, that's, I mean, before you go Stuart really quickly, Nate, um, not Nate, sorry, uh, Robin, I just want to acknowledge that that's total, everything you just said is totally understandable. We've all been there you know, in various different ways at various different points along the way. And um, I think there's a lot of like coming forward or, or, you know, taking on board something and then having to take time to metabolize. It's, it's a very cyclical sort of process. So that's, that's really normal. And you may go through that many, many times, you know, for the rest of, rest of your life, you know, it's, it's, and, you know, being attuned to where you're at in each moment so that you can take care of yourself is you know, the most important thing because nobody's gonna be able to do that better for you than you can for you. Well, I simply affirm what's been shared, of course, and Karin, I really love, and I'm so encouraged to hear of those projects. I wasn't aware of what had been in the works with here and your new position there. And just to cut to the chase on it, yeah, I think that you've identified and acted on a critically fundamental issue that each of us in our respective ways have vented about in varying degrees, which is we need to act on and alter the dynamic where people are talking about experiencers instead of experiencers speaking their experiences. It's understandable how it has featured so dominantly in all of these movies, TV shows, and whatnot, but it's utterly fucking nauseating at this point to see any more talking heads yeah. from whatever realm, yeah. speaking in third person, poorly, yeah. often inaccurately, yeah. and modifying that to fit whatever yep. commodity is being put on the conveyor belt there. So. It's pretty much the centerpiece of my life and work at this point as well, which is 
Some of these projects are public. The Experiencer Group is a great example of this, of course. This is all of us and, and your Experiencer Group. I feel that there's a beautiful corollary going on there where it's, it's encouraging and wonderful to feel how those spontaneously were emerging in different parts of the planet at the same time and how the community of experiences are finding each other and claiming our voice. And I think that nested within this has been a really successful implicit campaign from a lot of the authorities or talking stakeholders, which is that if you have the microphone, that somehow makes you qualified to talk about this. Amen. And what's put upon the experiencers is, we'll tell you when it's your turn to get the microphone. And <laughs> nothing could be fucking more backwards and upside down. It's inconceivable. And so what I find myself while simultaneously holding compassion and empathy for what everyone, again, respectively, Nadine, perhaps most forwardly, is that, yeah, there needs to be skillful needs. Yeah, there needs to be compassion. Yes, we have a developmental crisis. Yeah. The question is, how and when can you get human beings to develop? That's a fucking mystery. Yeah. But I would, I would personally venture that it doesn't work to continue to let unqualified pseudo authorities who just happen to be in a talking seat, mm -hmm. A, tell us when we'll get our turn at the microphone, B, to shape the contours of what's perceived and accepted to be reality, but C, this myth of if you A, then you'll get B. No, you won't. Mm -hmm. we, we as experiencers for decades have been in a holding pattern. If you A, then you'll get B. The fuck we will. Yeah. No, we won't. We yeah. will get A. We yeah. are going to have A as long as we keep thinking A is going to lead to B. It's yeah. not leading to B. What leads to B? The group that you form, the group that we formed here, the experiencer group, those groups coming together yeah. and cultural agents it won't be enough for us to simply get a big chunk of the landscape in the media or in the arts it has to also be from the right developmental center of gravity and in a nutshell yeah that is also like there, there's been an interesting parallel tandem facet because i've also been working i'll send you more stuff i'll follow up in an email but uh within our community and my life we have many projects in various stages and going back to Boston, you know, 25 years ago as the nascent yeah. stages of this began to percolate and all the promise and potential, which can be felt so early, mm -hmm. but then the ontological jet lag that we all get, which is, yeah. yes, we know these projects, how long? And if we hit the obstructions of we're not going to give you financing or no, you can't be in our platform or Showtime's not going to make a show unless it's J.J. Abrams and it's all shitified. And you know, <laughs> I mean, you can swap, <laughs> swap that out with glitter or whatever you like, Jay, for the public form of this. But those, those again, if you A, one day we'll give you B, which is the big lie. Showtime first has to make the A show so that one day the depth that's a lie. No, you just have to make the depths. The depth just has to come forward. And we're all going to take our punches. And it's going to be a fucking boxing match and a bloodletting. And it's going to be messy. But that is vastly preferable to the alternatives, which are totally unpalatable and making us all sick. 
literally yeah. actually physically making untold numbers of people fucking chronically ill. Yes. That's an actual dynamic in play here. So yeah. that's what I just wanted to close with an offering and saying that I really love and have appreciated this. And I'm so excited to hear about your projects and uh, that this conversation, Jay pulling together this Zoom and seeing and feeling the people in the article speaking from their first person experience to me feels like an instantiation of the positive forward progress that we just need to amplify, move yep. the decimal point on year over year. Yeah, connect, elevate, amplify. Connect, elevate, amplify. That's connect, elevate, amplify. Thank you, Stuart. You, you said that beautifully as always poetically and, and enjoyably, it's so satisfying. All right, and then I also would like to connect, to plan time to connect with you guys again, to drop into some more specifics on what some of the structure could look like in terms of partnering with Jemmy and the Experiencer Disclosure Initiative um, to have some of these dialogues that have been sort of pointed to. Fantastic. Okay, beautiful. So I'll follow up with emails here in the next day or two and we'll hop on the phone this week. And uh, just, I gotta skedaddle now, but I'm gonna yep. just do the cosmic hugs around the Brady Bunch of our grid here. Yeah. This really does feel like the beginning of a conversation yes. uh, rather than the end of one. Yes, um, for sure, 100%. The way things have unfolded is baffling and wonderful and interesting and exciting. And I haven't been, uh, I took a break from screens um because i just ended my job of 15 years and i needed a, a little bit of a break and so seeing just connecting again um with this group and these conversations and seeing you jay like i miss you guys so much and i, oh. I will i'm gonna have to i said it would be october but i'm gonna have to break that a little soon and get back on the group and connect with everybody it was really hard actually just having the month without that support truly, I have I had grown, you know, very accustomed to it, and um, so I can't wait to get back and connect with everybody. It was really great to see everybody and to have these conversations and feel so uh, that there's a world that I can be anchored in. You know, it's not where I was so unanchored before, and so there was no place to land with any of this. And over the past year, I've I've had, I've been able to find a place to land with it and find that it is full of um, people that have plumbed the same depths that I have, which I just still am astounded by. Every time I hear someone speak about the, this phenomenon and these experiences with everything that I have been holding inside of myself, you know, uh, in all their, in all of the subtlety and nuance that this all comes with. I'm just blown away by it. And I'm so grateful for it. And that's where my, you know, the action that I am taking now is now that I'm, now that I have an, enough of a foundation and a base, even if, you know, it's just in the experiencer group, I can say to someone new coming in and I can feel their shakiness. I can feel their fear and I know it so well to be able to just say to somebody like, yep, I get it. And here everyone is, you know, loving and kind and understands and is accepting. And just to be able to give that little bit to the next person in line has been, um, you know, now that I'm filled up a little bit, I can do that. So 
those are my closing reflections always coming back to the community and how much it's meant to me and I love it and how great it is to connect with other people. Um, you know, Karin, you have a whole other world that I, you know, don't know anything about and, but sound, but again, the same, it's the same. We're all moving through this um, as thoughtfully as we can and with mission and purpose. And I feel I can feel that underneath it all is love. I really can feel that. It's love and connection and caring and we are working, we're doing our best to hold that as we move forward and that's really important to me, so. Totally, <laughs> beautifully cut, again, <laughs> again. Yes. Thank you so much, it was a pleasure to hang out with everybody but especially you too as well and I look forward to reconnecting very soon. The Experiencer Group is a private gathering place for those who've had anomalous experiences, such as precognition, out-of-body, near-death, clairvoyance, ghosts, UFOs, past life, lucid dreams, and more. Within the site, members can join groups specific to their interests and access original content, including exclusive sessions where you interact directly with important luminaries and ask them your burning questions. Members also have confidential meetups with others from around the world and get access to in-person events, exclusive podcasts, and video series. No trolls, no stigmas, just intelligent, deep people like you who've had extraordinary experiences. Go to theexperiencergroup.com to become a member.